0: Here today for Finding Freedom in Finance and welcome back. You no, know, it's been a while. I think our last episode was posted beginning of May, May 10th. It's been a while, I know, but, you know, I had to figure some things out as far as audio because we couldn't use the school's recording studio anymore because we're now out of school. So I had to figure out where I was going to record and how that was all going to work. Finally, I went ahead and bought a nice mic. Hopefully it sounds a little better than what we were doing at the school. And now I'm recording from my house. Um, No Drew this episode. I don't know if Drew wants to keep doing the podcast, if he's going to get an audio setup or what, but you're just going to get me for this one, some raw financial analysis. Hope you don't get bored without Drew's banter, but you know, we're just going to, we're going to go for it here. Try not to get too deep into the weeds here, but today I didn't really know what I was going to do for this episode, but I decided we could go with diversification. And, you know, I kind of hit it with the clickbait title, the diversification, the road to mediocrity, question mark, or, you know, killing your returns. I don't know what I want to call it yet. But, you know, you always hear the same kind of financial news. You always hear save your money, don't spend all your money, invest into index funds, hold for long term. And while that's good advice, I started thinking to myself, is that all that I need to do? And one of the things I was thinking about is, I'm 17. I'm not even 18 yet. Do I need to be investing like that this early into my life? And as I started doing some research, I kind of came across the kind of pros and cons of this idea that you should be riskier with your money, right? You should do some things. You should kind of diversify less. So here are a few things that I found. The first stat is mind-boggling, right? Um, I did some research into kind of IPOs of some big companies and what that would look like if I invested money then versus now. And the first thing I found was Tencent. Tencent is kind of a Chinese conglomerate. It owns a lot of things, most notably as far as people in the States. It owns Riot Games, the creator of League of Legends, and also Supercell, the creator of Clash Clans, Clash Royale, all those games, personal favorites of mine. And a mind-boggling stat for me that I found kind of crazy was that if you invested $10,000 into the IPO of Tencent, the initial public offering when it first went public in 2004, if you'd invested $10,000, which isn't that much money in the grand scheme of things, today, just what, 17 years later, you would have $7.5 million. I'm just saying it now. If you invest $10,000 in an index fund in 2004, you will not have $7.5 million dollars. Right. And another thing that I thought about was that famous Warren Buffett diversification quote where he says diversification is a protection against ignorance. Right. Everybody's kind of heard that thing that. Well, I don't need to diversify. Warren Buffett told me I don't have to. Right. But another kind of famous Warren Buffett quote is that he called the S&P 500 index the best thing for most people who want to invest right so so where where kind of is the bridge there we'll talk about kind of the bridge between that where warren buffon says you don't have to diversify but then he also says you should diversify into an index fund because index funds are by nature diversified because index funds kinda of we talked about it in our investment episode have a whole bunch of stocks grouped together in an index another thing as far as kind of pros of diversifications cons for this idea that diversification is killing your portfolio is i don't know how many? If my listeners have heard of Enron, Enron was a huge financial disaster. It was an energy company that went bankrupt. It went bankrupt. It was the darling of Wall Street. It was posting 10, 20 percent returns for years. Everyone thought it was rock solid, fi- stable company, right? Think of some of these companies today. These big companies. I don't know what its market cap was when it collapsed, but it was a very large company. This wasn't a small deal, right? As evidenced by this next stat that I have pulled up here, that. Enron lost seventy four billion dollars for its shareholders when it went bust. And a lot of those people were employees. Right, a lot of these employees that worked for this company that they believed in that they didn't know was committing financial fraud. They lost seventy-four billion with a B dollars. Another thing that kinda against the diversification thing, or for diversification, against the idea that you should not be diversifying, is that according to a report in 2020, that over a 15 year period, nearly 90% of actively managed investment funds failed to beat the market. These are things like hedge funds, these people, these incredibly smart people with vast amounts of research and vast amounts of capital, vast amounts of money, because they have their rich clients. They were not able to beat the market. Right? These people have been doing this for years, have billions of dollars, have the best research to get to talk with CEOs, things like that. These people have insider information, maybe. They were not able to beat the market. So where do we kind of go from here? The next thing I did kind of in my quest for understanding diversification is we kind of have to talk about what diversification really means and what it is. Now diversification on the surface has a very simple definition. You means you have to in- spread your money around different assets so that if one asset does poorly, then you're fine, right? If you invested a hundred percent of your money in Enron, you lost a hundred percent of your money. But if you only invested fifty per- only, if you only invested fifty percent of your money in Enron, you only lost half your money. Right? But diversification goes further than that. Where well, you think well and this is kind of a situation that I have. I have a portfolio of around 30 stocks, 35 stocks. And I'd say, yeah, I'm pretty well diversified. But then you dig into it deeper and 90% of my portfolio is into U.S. stocks specifically. And that's not even because you can diversify into other regions and other assets, right? You can think about bonds. I don't have any money in bonds. Internationally, I only have 10% of my portfolio maybe into international stocks, a lot of some Chinese stocks right, barely, right, so you can go different locations, you can go different assets, that's not even thinking commodities, gold, crypto even, Bitcoin, I'm not diversifying any of that, so I think to myself, well, I have a portfolio of 30 stacks, I'm pretty well diversified, but that's not really what diversified means, is because I don't really hold any other asset types, right, like I said, commodities, gold, silver, bonds, like treasury bonds, or crypto, or any other kinds of assets, there's even more than that um and all my pretty much my entire portfolio is US based so even though I have 30 stocks that doesn't mean I'm diversified right and so the next so that really what it is what diversification is and when you spread your money around if one of your stocks does really well your portfolio doesn't do as well as that stock did right the whole idea of diversification is That you're shielded from losses, because if one of your companies loses value, that's not going to impact your whole portfolio much. But it also shields you from gain, because if one of your stocks doubled, if that's the only stock in your portfolio, your portfolio doubled. But if it's not, then your portfolio did not double, right? The next thing I did was I read an article from Fortune. It's called, Your Father's Stock Market is Not Coming Back. And it makes it, makes a case that the old guard adage is dead, right? One of the big things was the 6040 rule. The idea that 60% of your portfolio should be in stocks and forty percent should be in bonds. Right? But now we have kind of we have a new era of finance. Things like cryptocurrencies, NFTs, SPACs. Those are gonna be part of the stock market of the future with explosive returns either for the for the upside or for the downside. Why would you stick forty percent of your money in bonds that's going to make maybe two percent of year when these hundred percent returns on these things are in the market. One of the people on there, I don't remember her name, but she was a employee at Airbnb and she got stock. So when Airbnb went public, she made a lot of money. And her portfolio is more angel investing companies than it is stocks, even more so than bonds. Right? She's making lots of money on these potential companies. When... The idea of bonds just seems boring to these people, to these new age people, right? But that's the idea that there are always winners and losers. There's, there's real money at stake here. Risk is a double-sided coin. That's why risk is a double-sided coin. You can make a lot of money, but you can also lose a mon- lot of money. People say, well, I don't need to diversify my portfolio. I can stick it all in Bitcoin. And then when Bitcoin goes to the moon, I make a ton of money. But Bitcoin's lost half its value in the past couple months. And now you've lost half your money, so all of a sudden you think, "Well, I I do need to diversify. I don't need to. I don't want to lose half my money." There's winners and losers. That's the whole point. It's it's that's kind of the moral of what I found when I was looking into the idea of diversification, is it's all about your risk tolerance, and it's not just risk tolerance. It's calculated risk, right? Back, I intentionally left part of the uh, Buffett diversification quote out. The entire quote says. Diversification is a protection against ignorance. It makes very little sense for those who know what they're doing. Now, that kind of bridges the gap. I was talking about bridging the gap earlier between his two quotes. It makes little sense for people who know what they're doing, and all of a sudden it makes sense. Because how do you call the index fund, SP 500 index fund, the best thing for most people who want to invest? You'd say that you don't have to diversify. And the answer is that most people who want to invest don't want to spend hours doing research that's the most important part here you risks is, risk is important right people don't get rich through diversification you don't get rich through investing 8% 8, investing your money for an 8% return year over year in the s&p 500 index fund that's not how you get rich right that may how you get enough money to retire comfortably maybe even retire early but that's one of kind of the biggest i wouldn't say lie because maybe that is what a lot of people are looking for but that's not how you get rich That's how you build your wealth. There's a difference, right? If you want to get rich, the way you do that is by taking calculated risks at a young age, right? For someone like me, it doesn't make sense. My my portfolio used to be, and still is to a large extent, a portfolio of high-dividend stocks. That doesn't make much sense for who I am and my position. I can afford to lose all of my money that I'm investing now taking a gamble because I have plenty of time to build that up. If you're 60, you cannot do that right, if you're about to retire, then there's no reason for you to try and risk all your money, but for me, there's plenty of time before I have to retire, there's plenty of time for me to build my wealth, there's plenty of time for me to take these risks, right, but it's not just about throwing your money into things that you don't understand, saying, well, everyone else is doing it, that's how I'm going to get rich, because there's a, this old adage, adage that goes, if now is when you're hearing about it, then it's already too late, that that's a paraphrase, I don't have the exact quote on me, but it's the idea that If you're just now hearing about it and everybody's telling you to invest in something, that's when it's too late. So so diversification is not how people get rich, it's how people stay rich. You think about Jeff Bezos, his entire portfolio is concentrated in Amazon stock. Right, another example, Bill Gates. He got rich off of Microsoft stock, but now I think he's pretty much sold out of Microsoft stock and his fund manager has him a, a diversified portfolio of stocks. Right, Because that's how you get rich off the back of one asset. But then if that asset crashes, you lose it it all. So if you're rich to the point where you're happy, then you start diversifying away from the thing that made you rich. Right? So, So what's the idea here? Diversification is killing your gains, potentially. It could also be shielding your losses. But I'm under the opinion, depending on your age, that it makes sense to take these calculated risks in order to try and grow your wealth. Because if you don't, because if it doesn't work out for you and you don't build your wealth and you don't make a lot of money, right, then it's okay. It's okay because, it's okay because you have plenty of time, right? That's the biggest thing here. It's about time and research. If you have the time, like in a years, years idea, where if you have enough time to recover if this doesn't go well, and if you have the, you have the, you have the time, you have the gumption or whatever you want to call it to do that research, then it doesn't make sense for you to not do it, right? Those are the two things in whether you need to diversify, right? If you, if you if you have the time to recover from potential loot losses from not diversifying, and if you have the ability, or the time to do proper research into the things that you're going to put your money in, then you probably don't need to diversify. If you don't have the time, if you're near retirement age, and you don't want to stick all your money into something, that makes sense, then you should diversify, right? If you don't have, if you don't want to do the research, if you don't have the ability to do the research, if you don't want to do the research, whatever it is, and you just want to grow your money, grow your wealth, then you should diversify, because diversification is not how you get rich, it's how you stay rich. And... This idea of diversification, like I said, bringing back to definition is what I was talking about earlier. If you want to be diversified, you need to be truly diversified. So, sorry, my, my neighbors started their car. it's really loud, so I had to kind of pause it there. But we're just kind of getting closer to the end of the episode here, kind of the moral of the story, as we say, kind of wrapping it up. This is kind of what I found on diversification. If you have the time and you have the research then you don't really need to diversify. You can take those risks, those calculated risks. You don't wanna just throw your money into things you don't understand. That's the biggest deal is you gotta have the time and you have to have the research. You have to have the ability and the time to do the research and you have to have the time to bounce back if it doesn't work. If you don't have either of those two things, in my opinion, you kinda need to have both. If you only need one of those things, time I'd say is more important than research. If you just YOLO your money, you still have a shot, right? And then if that doesn't work out, then you you still do have the time. I'd say that's more important necessarily than the research, but I do still think you kind of need to have both because you need to understand what you're doing with your money. In anything, you wouldn't buy something you don't understand. You wouldn't buy something you don't know how to use, just like you shouldn't invest in something that you don't understand, even at just a base level. But in my opinion, you have to have kind of those two things in order to not diversify your money. Pretty much everyone else, if you don't have both of those two things, you should diversify your money. But if you are an ability to take more of those risks to try and get those better returns, I'd say that's worth it depending on your situation and how you feel about those two things, right? Because once again, diversification is not how you get rich, it's how you stay rich. And it's also if you weren't rich to begin with, it's how you grow your wealth and live live comfortably. But it's not how you get rich. If your goal is to get rich, then diversification is not your answer, right? That's, that's one of the biggest things that you always hear, and that the, the blanket idea is divert save all your money and invest into index funds. And that's good general broad based, um, advice, but that's not advice for everyone, right? If, if you, if you feel the need, if you are able to take kind of those risks, then you should, because that's kind of being, taking those risks is one of the big ways of being. Rich, it's not the only way. I may, I may make a video, a podcast, whatever. Later on, kind of the, the way, the formula to get rich. Now, keep in mind, this is from someone who's not rich. So you could take that with a grain of salt. But that's just kind of getting back to the topic here. Those are my views on diversification. You don't have to diversify if you have the time to recover and you have the ability and the time to do research on what you're trying to invest in. If you don't have those two things, then you should diversify your money so you don't lose it. But if you can afford to lose it, and you understand what you're going to lose it on, you don't have to diversify. So that's pretty much it for this episode. It's kind of a shorter episode just because diversification's not as broad of a topic as some of the things I used uh, that we talked about in the earlier episodes. Things like um, investing in g- general, right? Diversification is a very it's kind of a subset of investing, so it's it's not as big of a topic. So this is kind of a smaller episode. This episode will probably land somewhere in the 17 minute range. Um, so, next time I want to kind of talk about the role of retail investors um, because we've seen kind of the rise of the retail investor through Reddit forums, Wall Street bets, um, and just them gaining more steam, meme stocks, GameStop, AMC, all that stuff. We've seen them push prices higher. And I kind of wanted to make a video about where the retail investor sits in 2021. Relative to these institutional, these big money firms that own the majority of the stock market. Where does the retail investor fit in there? And how did the Davids of the world, the retail investors, fit in amongst the Goliaths of the hedge funds? So that's pretty much it. Um, Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Sorry for the hiatus. I'll be hoping to make a lot more of these podcasts. My goal is maybe once a week. We'll see how that works out. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in. If you feel the need please leave a review if you're on Apple Podcasts I mean that's the only place we really are that in Buzzsprout so if you if you do feel the need please if you like what we're doing what I'm doing at this point maybe Drew will join back but thank you so much and catch you next